To answer is human, to question is divine. Welcome to the world of the Hidden Gateway, an exhilarating podcast exploring the concepts humans have been struggling with since the dawn of existence, such as, who are we? Is there such a thing as good and evil, or are they arbitrary constructs? Does the paranormal exist? How can we evolve to a higher state? Can our mind influence what we term as reality? Providing a transcendental approach combined with hard-nosed humanistic analysis, we invite you on a journey to question your worldview in this theater of life. Join our host, Justin Williams, as he explores the outer realms of faith, the supernatural, human potential, and even our concepts of the universal creator with a fascinating array of guests. This is the unseen world, magical, mysterious, and mystical, where your only limitation is your imagination. This is The Hidden Gateway. Welcome back to another episode of The Hidden Gateway Podcast. I am your host, Justin Williams. Our guest today is Randy Moggins. Randy Moggins is a longtime radio talk show host, producer, and writer working in the fields of spirituality, metaphysics, politics, and the paranormal. An interest in esoteric, paranormal, and occult stems from an early life experiences, which fueled his quest to understand the complex issues of the phenomena of UFOs and ETs, as well as covert government mind control programs, the spiritual and esoteric arts behind a global conspiracy of human trafficking and soul harvesting. In 2010, he created Off Planet Radio to to expand the scope of his research and presentation. With over 10 years, hundreds of shows, and thousands of hours of content, in October October of 2019, he stepped away from a successful platform and began an all-new series, Eye of the Needle 2020 Beyond, which opened an inquiry to prophetic foreshadowing running ahead of the onslaught of the great events which unfolded in the pandemic in 2020. Randy, welcome to the Hidden Gateway Podcast. How you doing, my friend? I am thrilled and honored to be here. Um, thank you for having me on, Justin. Absolutely, man. You know, I, I covered some of the things that you research and some of the things that you're involved in. I mean, spirituality, that really resonates with me. And, you know, I'll get into a little bit of that later. But then the metaphysics is something that I've been learning about over the past year. And, of course, we, we got to touch on politics, right? You know, yeah, we got we'll go to go there, we'll go there. Yep. <laughs> and, and the paranormal stuff. But, uh, you know, tell me about, you know, your 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 early life. As I said in the intro, you know, the, the paranormal and occult stems from your early life experiences. How did you get involved, man? What what led you? What was it on your journey that led you to where you are today? If you will? What led me to get involved? I was born and um, <laughs> I grew up in a small um Well, actually, I was born in one area, moved just ever so slightly. So I live in southern central Pennsylvania in the Appalachian Mountains. And um, growing up, which was um, an interesting time, we had a number of what are called UFO flaps in this area, if you know what a flap is. That's an old term for waves. 
of UFOs occur appearances mm. at a time when at a time when it was highly unusual and not talked about. It became so obvious. This was um, in about a five to ten year period when you had the Washington D.C. UFO wave that occurred as well. Okay. So um, I was seeing these craft as a kid. I also had encounters with beings, I'll call them that, as a result of sightings that occurred around um, age 10, 11. That was a really heavy period of my life. Previous to that, as a child, small child, I experienced a number of what you would call paranormal out-of-body experiences. Mm. Um, several of which resulted in me being in a group of people of what we would call interdimensional or off-world type people, where it was, you know, I, I don't want to say it was, I've been asked this before about my experiences, if it was a classroom, and a lot of people report this. It actually wasn't. It was a visitation. And I have very distinct memories of being, three years old and going directly through the window of my bedroom. I can recall this. I can recall the exact room, the lighting, the sense, the feel. And then I had repeated encounters like this over about five years. So I would have been three, eight years old, nine years old. And then um, where I grew up, my grandparents had a very large farm, probably about 300 acre farm, a cattle ranch. And um, I had sightings in that area as well, which is in the valley between two ridges of the Appalachians. And these craft tended to want to fly parallel to the mountain ranges. It was very interesting. You could watch them come in. And as they would come in, they would get closer and closer, and then they just flash. Mm. And sometimes that was the only memory I had was that flash the flash and a certain smell um, that I've described as burnt ozone. I don't know what that means exactly, but if you know what ozone smells like, add a burned smell to that. And that was those were the two memory sensations that I have. <clears throat> Most of the time, I did not have direct memories. Some of the memories came back over the years. But I had the sense of having left this this realm, this dimension. It's really hard to explain this. It doesn't feel so much out of body as the body feels sort of out of time and dimension. Mm. Something that I've described over the years in different ways and even more recently in the podcast that I sent you a couple of days ago, of which yeah. aligns with the experiences that I had during uh, COVID-19. Right. So I had, a, I had a fair amount of paranormal experiences. I have a lot of memories of things. I have a lot of holes in my memory from that period of time. So <clears throat> you could say I was a believer in the sense that I was an experiencer. I don't think it's a belief structure. Um, I've had experiences, and I've experienced this in recent years, where I'm looking at a craft in the sky and nobody around sees it. And I did this with a friend of mine who did see the craft, but none of the other people around us did. 
So wow. it's a highly selective, I will say, sight or consciousness in terms of viewing UFOs. It's why I think most people simply don't cognitively have the frequency. Okay. And it's something I've described before. Um, <clears throat> when the conquistadors came to South America, it was said that um, the ships would sit off the shoreline and <clears throat> pardon me and that um the people couldn't see the ships they were being conquered by by spanish conquistadors disembarking from ships offshore and the only person eventually who was able to see the boats the galleons the spanish galleons were the shaman and mm. the shaman would show the people and interestingly, if you go back and you study the history of the Mayans, I'm given to understand that many of the Mayans survived because shaman not only were able to see the ships, but they were also able to open portals of escape for them. So it's kind of like that with the UFO experience. It's selective in the sense that there's a frequency to it. And a lot of people will never have or never sight They'll never have an experience. They'll never sight a ship simply because their frequency and their entrainment makes it impossible for them to cognize these objects and even the beings um, in normal states of mind. However, I will say that people in altered states of mind, and specifically people who are using entheogens, do report quite frequently seeing both these beings and seeing the craft. Mm, very interesting. So that's kind of opens up a little bit of it. Uh, my childhood, other than that, was fairly normal. Um, I have basically kind of soldiered my way through life in a career in technology and um, many different careers along the way. I've done a lot of things. I've raised four children with my wife and – we're now at this place, I'm now at this place in my life where I'm sort of doing the retrospective thing. Okay. Um, that's a part of what this, the book that I'm still working on is about. It's a retrospective, and in a sense, it's both a gaze backward and a gaze forward. Mm, sounds amazing, man. That That is an amazing piece you shared with us there. So in regards to the UFOs, you say it's a frequency that uh, most people don't have. Yeah. And that that's why they're unable to see the craft or, or any type of alien beings. So um, now for you, I mean, you said you've seen many and you've had this out of this world, out of body. Well, you, you didn't really say out of body, but this out of world, out of dimension experience. Mm -hmm. When you were experiencing that, what is it that you were doing? Did they? I mean, I hear stories of people being abducted by aliens, and they they get probed, and they go through all these other things. What is it that you experienced during during this uh, during your experiences? <laughs> you mean physically, in terms of um, my own sensory, or what yes. I was engaged in at that time? Okay, so most of these, I won't call them abductions. I will call them encounters. Uh, most of the encounters took place in a normal course of life. And a lot of them took place 
away from populated areas, which was easy for me. I was a kid. I was growing up in a small town that was semi-rural, bordering on rural. And um, the sensation would be, my sense of it is I always had a sort of precognizance of experience coming in the terms that I would get a tingling that would come in up through, I guess what you would call almost like a Kundalini, maybe not that strong, but in mm. terms of a sensation that came over me. Mm. And as a result of that, I would then begin to feel a frequency, that frequency, the encounter. See, <clears throat> most of these craft are capable of um, cloaking, you know, Star Trek. They were, they were just reporting the news, basically. So um, <laughs> these ships can cloak. And that basically is just a matter of them moving sideways dimensionally and then moving sideways another way to be uncloaked. There's nothing mm. to do with any kinds of shields or anything like that. These are beings and craft that are able to operate in these thin slivers of conjoined reality we call the dimensions. Mm -hmm. And when that occurred, I kind of knew, and then the light would appear. And I would just be off somewhere else. And a lot of times there's a contact with some beings whose names, in recent years, I've, I've attempted to memory recall this. And I have two names of two beings. They're unpronounceable in our language. Okay. The, um, the languages were not what you would call earth-friendly, but also the fact that they communicate telepathically. Yes, um, okay. There's a translation filter that occurs there where in mind-to-mind -mind communication, language doesn't matter. So okay. uh, just to bring it back, there was usually that tingling and then the flash of light, that smell, what I still can only describe as kind of burnt ozone, mm -hmm. and then the sensation of basically moving out of this reality into another reality. So were these things, would you say, were they like of the light or of the dark, good, good or evil? Yeah, I've gone back and forth on that because um, how do you assess that? Um, scripture says that angel... That, that, that Lucifer can appear as, as an angel of light. So mm -hmm. you wonder about that. I never had what you would call a hardcore abduction experience, although I can recall being very terrified both during and afterwards in terms of what I was experiencing because it was so outside the realm of anything that you experience right. in normal waking life. Mm -hmm. Um it seems to me now that likely these were beings who were probably guides in some sense who made it possible for me to do what I do now. Wow. I have to, I kind of believe that because of the way certain materials have come forward to me more so in recent years, because I've recognized the phenomena, but even early on, there was this knowing there was this sense of skills and sense of knowledge that I had that wasn't mine, that was imparted to me. And it's not like extraordinary intelligence or anything that like that. 
<laughs> I have a very sharp grasp on technology. Or yes. earlier earlier inconveniences notwithstanding. Um getting to this getting to this show today. Um <laughs> I understood right. computers real early on. Like we started we started seeing computers appear in the late nineteen seventies. And mm-hmm. I was an early mm-hmm. adapter to that. Um, okay. I bought a Sinclair computer in 1978 or 1979 and began programming on it in basic. And it kind of went from there. And I've made my living over the years in the technology sector. So I would say not only was I comfortable with the technology, but I had the ability to pick up programming languages very fast to to understand uh, the concepts of how computers, how technology works. And I can say that I was shown certain technology, which at the time I was shown it was futuristic for even now in terms of the type of technology that we have presently. Some of it was um, very, very sleek displays that were transparent or that were surface, would appear on a surface like like a tablet. Like a, right. like a modern tablets, but not a light emitting screen. They would simply appear okay. on the surface. And wow. they were very thin and they were capable of basically presenting you with information in a very rapid manner. Mm-hmm. Um, I've shared this with a number of people <clears throat> who have come out of MK Ultra type projects and they've said that. They also experience this as well within the projects. So this technology probably isn't new to Earth, but it probably is new to the, the general populace and will be as they continue to break out technologies. What we're, what we're about to see with the emergence of what's called meta is really this uh, mind-to-mind, machine-to-mind type system that I believe I was shown and that other people saw as well inside of different projects. Okay. Wow. And you, um, that, that episode that you sent me, which was done extremely well, very eloquent. And I really, really enjoyed it a lot. And in that you talked about, Technology. You went deep a bit with with AI. You talked mm-hmm. about the Promise mm-hmm. program that rolled out. Was it eighty two? I believe, right? And how what they were doing then, without doubt, mm-hmm. ties into what we're seeing today, but with a, a dark aspect to it, right? Yeah, that um, Promise can, software actually goes back to the late nineteen seventies, oh, and okay. it came forward during the Reagan administration when a version of the original algorithms were um, offered by the developers of that software um, to the Department of Justice under the name PROMISE, which PROMISE is an acronym for, and I can't remember the exact string now, but it was a database program to design that was designed 
for prosecutors to use to accumulate records and evidence and then to do what we would probably now call um, neural programming to connect all of this information. The conceptually promise was probably 30 years ahead of its time in terms of the algorithms. They had produced what was a 16-bit version of it, which would have been so in 1982, we were still on 8-bit computers, and that would have been the era of what you would call MS-DOS and the early Apples, probably the Apple II. Uh, the 16-bit version was what the government got. They wanted the 32-bit version, which means they were programming this, they were programming this almost a decade ahead of technology that was being developed when you start to look at the timeline, which is in itself rather interesting because it begs the question then, well, did they have machines capable of running 32-bit code? Mm, and the right. answer would have to be yes. Right. So right. in a way, what was Trojan horsed into, into the headlines at that time was missed by almost everybody, including most tech writers, is that in order for Promise Software to have existed as it did in that, in that particular era, somebody had access to machines and code that was scaling beyond what we would call Moore's Law at that time. Um, mm -hmm. Moore's Law said that um, basically computing platforms doubled every 18 months, and that was true up until about the end of... I would say 2018, 2019. Mm. That was still true. It's not true anymore because of what Apple has recently done in the development of these new silicon chips, which have really rapidly expanded um, the amount of the amount of transistors, semiconductors we can pack onto uh, a small board, a five nanometer layer wafer to pack these transistors together. So going back that far in history, we had advanced computing already in place, and I'm not talking about mainframes or uh, some of the later Cray computers. Somebody had their hands on computing platforms that don't make sense in the context of time. And that was what interested me a lot in this. So you, your leader, your, uh, Listeners can look this up under the INSLAW affair, I-N-S-L-A-W, or just um, Google Promise, P-R-O-M-I-S. And there's a whole story there that goes into a lot of really dark stuff. So now I lost the thread on your original question. I got too detailed. I apologize for that. All good. All good. All good. Yeah. We, um, you know, just talking about the evil aspects, everything. And in, in that yeah. episode, you, yeah. you went into, went into how it's being used and how they created these, these viruses and these new, these new softwares that it, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, they kind of piggyback off each other as time went on for them to go even deeper in what they do. Am I correct in, in saying that? Yeah. There's a parallel that we're seeing develop in terms of, what we'll just call the uh, epidemiology of the current era. Okay. That I will say 
from my standpoint, what we're seeing right now, and I, I don't know how sensitive your platform is in terms of being explicit with information. Go but for I'll try it, man. To, I'll try, so if I can, if I can just be flat out naked about this, absolutely. Um, viruses are trending the same way that software trended. They're being mm. developed, released into the wild, and then. As a result of that, they offer you a vaccine. Then you they offer you updates of vaccines, boosters, they call them. Mm. Now, boosters are unheard of in um, vaccines, but really nothing like what we're seeing now with COVID, which what we're on version four already, and they're talking about how they're going to get past the Omicron versions, the variants, which is uh, .4 and .5 presently. So mm -hmm. they themselves are also kind of admitting that this is some kind of software program. In fact, um, the firm that developed the mRNA, and I, it slipped my mind right now what their name was, on their website, they originally referred to vaccines as software and your body as a platform. So they view us as biological software ecosystems. Wow. No surprises there. Now, what, what do you think are the next steps for the vaccine? If you could go a little deeper with that, um, you know, and, and why do you think that they were lifted all over the world at the same time? You know, is it just a play on more chaos confusion? We, we go through hell and then they, they're lifting everything. Is it going to come to a point in your opinion where we we go back through hell, or they just is this just a total mine? Yeah, hell's a slippery term too. <laughs> it's like a lot of things you have to do with. And I know your background a little bit. I picked up your book, and I've gone through it. I know enough about your background. Oh, you. you know, we're kind of we walk the same paths a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Is this hell? On one level, you could say that the world as it is currently configured as sort of a hell. Um, they make it nice enough to be tolerable or even downright pleasant for people for the most part. But if you look around at our society, you realize there are many people who are very fractured, very damaged, very traumatized, and who have yes. been through extraordinarily bad experiences as a result of just the normal things that go on in our world. The, um, the social programs that run constantly emanating from the, every field of endeavor you can imagine, from medicine, law enforcement, government, science, um, the walking wounded are out there. And on the mm -hmm. social side of that, there is this pathology that has occurred within the human race, which is not native to us. Um, that's a separate subject. But the, the short answer is that it is, we're living in a dual system. We live in a system which is both light and dark, good and bad, black and white. And that contrast within the system has been heavily orchestrated and heavily played by beings who do control the script somewhat. In other words, um, for all humans, all human beings have the proclivity and the choice 
to do good or to do evil. This was the original Garden of Eden thing was kind of um, Adam and Eve were naked having known good and evil. I'm paraphrasing here, you know, very early in probably Genesis 3. So there was this connection between knowledge of good and evil and that really strange term naked. But I think if you look at it as a metaphor, what they understood was that for the first time, they were self-aware because of what we've called the fall, what we would call the influence of these evil beings. At that point, it was the serpent in the garden. Uh Going forward, it became many serpents and many different types of beings and entities who were beginning to understand the nature of this world and how it operated in a dual system of good and evil. Uh And the consciousness of man was altered as a result of that. And the consciousness of beings entering this realm and encountering us for the first time were changed as well. Okay. So we're going through a period of intense energy right now. The energy itself, energy is neutral. What it activates is another matter. The heightened frequencies attenuated properly are what, what a friend of mine and I have called the wave. Um, these are energies that are coming in from the galactic center sun, central sun, coming through our own local solar object. And these are energies that are attempting to push humanity forward, uh, kind of crawling out of um, maybe 40 to 60,000 years of what you would call either regression or stasis, uh-huh. where we were locked into this, this dualism. And this probably began in earnest slightly prior to, but certainly following the Second World War. Okay. And this was the consciousness waves. This is where you get to the 1960s and you have all of the interesting things that happened there, this concept of the age of Aquarius and the concept that for the first time, I think humanity began to realize it had a choice and the choice was to love. And obviously what happened in the 1960s and early 1970s, I remember some of this as a kid, but it got hijacked. It got taken over by dark elements who wanted to corrupt what was supposed to be at that time the first wave of um, moving into this higher frequency realm. And as Uh a result of that, what you see as you go down through the years from, I will say, 1960 up until 2020, so that's... That's what, 40 years of heightened programming coming at us, both through nature, because nature is also part of the galactic, the constellations. Uh, We think of nature, we think of birth, and we think of green. Nature is everything that is around us. We come from nature. 
Mm-hmm. You know, essentially, mm-hmm. we are products of both the earth and the sky at this point. So all of this duality is deeply in play now. If you just look around, if you look at the headlines, you look at what goes on every day, you see the distinctions being made sharper and sharper now, that there is a much finer delineation on both sides. And it is a bifurcation of human consciousness in the camps, which means that some people have chosen to be acted upon by the lower, denser energies that operate inside of the earth at the exclusion of the higher energies which are streaming into us from the solar energy waves. Well said. Well said. I couldn't agree more. And you touched on how uh, in the 60s, late 60s, mid, mid 60s to, <laughs> oh, maybe maybe early, we'll, we'll just say the 60s to the, to the early 70s where it was the, the love area, right? And, and it was a shift in consciousness. But then you also mentioned that that dark element entered to prevent this, this positive energy from moving forward, mm-hmm. right? So if it's true, as they say, that nothing is new under the sun and history repeats itself, yeah. mm-hmm. if we are now going through that period once again, because to me, and, 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 and maybe you as well, over the last couple of years, there seemed to be this this shift, right, where people have have gone to another level of consciousness, right? So, is it? I, mean, I, I suppose it is possible we will we'll see that happen again in this day and age. Maybe maybe it's it's happening now, and it probably is, just like it yeah. did in the '60s when that dark energy took over. What could be the differences at play, though, compared to the '60s and now? Do you feel like we have a better chance in this day and age to overcome because the energy coming from the galactic is much stronger, maybe, than it was back then? Yes, because we're further down the we're further down the road now. This is actually the arc of the narrative that I weave inside of the shows that I've been doing since 2019. It's the arc of the book as well, is the argument that um, each progressive wave is more intense and on both sides. So growing up as a child, some of my earliest memories, and these are horrific, were of watching the evening news and seeing the body counts on TV as a result of Vietnam, Uh which at that time, the reportage on the ground from Vietnam just like now they had embedded press reporting what they wanted the American people to see across the deaths of news actors like Walter Cronkite and Huntley and Brinkley. Um, If you're old enough to remember that you're, you're, you're old. And I remember some of this. So uh, the point being that, um, At that point in time, we had that Vietnamese war, which basically was responsible for kickstarting a lot of this. What I noticed then and what I know now is that just as the laws of physics say that every every action has an equal and opposite reaction, every wave of consciousness has uh, a reactive cycle within the Earth realm. And as a result of that, 
there is either action or reaction to those energies. Those energies themselves are polarizing. Uh, One whose consciousness is more towards the material, the physical, the egoic, will be more so as a result of that, hardened. And that's energy that can be aggregated and used. People who are predisposed to the love frequencies, to the divine frequencies, who, let's say, or have a maybe better defined sense of their own divine origins, that that heightens as well. And you saw this in the 60s and the 70s, but it wasn't quite as obvious because it was seen then as being somewhat... Um, I guess so new that it was just a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. We've lived with it long enough now, and we've gone through these waves. So you could step through any decade and see the trauma events that are seeded into our world. They're either wars, economic resets, social engineering programs. Um, they've ramped up over the decades so that when we get to the much-anticipated 2001, miraculously, we have this gigantic cataclysmic event which the whole world watches on TV as two of the world's largest buildings are hit by what they tell us are planes, and then within several hours are just gone, along with, with obviously, Building 7 as well. Uh And the trauma and after effect of that event, that's a mass event. That's an event that has an impact on mass consciousness, just as the Vietnam War did, just as Watergate did. You want to see parallels? Draw lines through Watergate down to what's going on right now between the government and Donald Trump. They're they're so similar. They're so similar. So tell me about it. Let's let's, let's dab on that just a bit. We don't have to spend too much time on it because I know I want you to finish your story. So let me summarize what I just said by by saying this these energies will bring out whatever in our culture is festering below the surface the 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 bad become worse the good become better and more elevated okay okay very good now we can take it forward and we drew some parallels earlier obviously between the 80s, which is an interesting period of time as well. And, hmm. um, and now, see, this is a convergence. The eye of the needle is this spiral that we're going through. It's a compression cycle. And it began, began in earnest after 2012. But where it really hit the wall was in 2017, we had what was called the Great American Eclipse. And that eclipse was part, that, that was the first bracket of what is now the events we're in that I call the eye of the needle. So if you go back and you look at 1960 and you take everything forward, those events are streaming through time and through consciousness. They don't go away. They're not necessarily duplicated, but the energies exist there. So if you look at what's going on right now with, um, I call it the government versus Donald Trump, 
and it's actually dueling governments. Um, <clears throat> effectively, what Donald Trump is, he is president in exile. And that's because of what happened with the election. Okay. So this is what my guides have shown me very early on. And I did, I put a YouTube video out where I talked about this, where I talked about Donald Trump's parallel with the man in the high, high castle. I called him the man in the high tower. If you go look at Mar, Mar a Largo, there's a tower there. Okay. So what we have right now is a president who's being investigated by the DOJ and the FBI under uh, a subpoena that was presented to a judge to execute a search warrant on the former president's residence over papers, documents that were taken from the executive office, the White House, and allegedly transported to Mar-a-Lago and then put into storage. We don't know the nature of those documents. We don't need to, at least not right now. But what has happened is the parallels between this and the trumping up of these charges, that was that was an unfortunate term there. Was, <laughs> no intended, we, have a president, <laughs> we now have a president or ex-president who's under investigation for a number of things, including violations of the Espionage Act, which is a serious charge uh-huh. and obstruction of justice. Go back and look at Richard Nixon, what happened with Watergate, what right. happened with documents there. Don't forget, too, in that same period of the 1960s, there were a number of trials going on related to what were called the Pentagon Papers. I mean, okay. Daniel Ellsberg. Hmm. So, again, these are energies streaming forward. So the fascinating thing to me is watching uh, CNN and seeing one of the key players in the Nixon administration. In fact, he was he's, he was um, part of the Justice Department at the time that Nixon was in, in the presidential office named John Dean. John Dean was basically the rat behind Watergate. Dean was okay. the guy that ratted out the Watergate burglars. And he is now being resurrected. I didn't even know he was still alive to basically do narration for CNN on this current situation. Wow. So sometimes what happens is players resurrect, energies come back through. What we're seeing is really nothing like what we've ever seen before, just as when when, when Richard Nixon stepped down in 1974, that was something we had never seen in modern history. We saw it before TV cameras. We saw him get into a helicopter and leave the White House. We saw him replaced um, by his vice president, Gerald Ford, who was himself a replacement for Spiro T. Agnew, who had been indicted on charges in Maryland and replaced as the elected vice president. So you had had a vice president Mm. who never ran for election, who wound up becoming president. Well, in an odd permutation of that equation, in some way, 
we have a president who may not have ever been a president because of what has been alleged to have happened with the elections. Mm -hmm. The intrigues behind all of this have much to do with that election itself and the fact that they have had to work their butts off to convince the American people that the election itself was legitimate. Right. So all of these energies are streaming forward in time. They're kind of coiled up and distorted, but they're part of the system working out energies that are endemic to the political system itself. You had conjoined with this in a weird kind of way the JFK presidency, which Trump has been compared to, not in terms of the person himself, but in terms of how he actually was going against his own government. And this was true from day one with both Kennedy and Trump. There are connections as well between the Trumps and the Kennedys. Both are what we would call uh, mainline East Coast families. They're people right. that have uh, position, power, and money and um, became politically prominent and having seen one of their sons then go for office. The variation here is that we did not see an assassination with Trump, but in a sense what we've seen is a political assassination that began from day one when he took office. Right, right. Now, lest anybody think I'm being partisan here, I don't vote. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a stakeholder in the political system in the sense that I am partisan or that I even believe that the system is a viable answer for the problems that we have. Mm-hmm. My pers- I, I, I've taken this position for probably about 20 years of abstaining as much as possible from the government, of, you know, coexisting with the government, but not necessarily promoting it or participating. So I, and I don't, I was in New York City in 1979, 1980. And I remember Donald Trump being very socially prominent in New York during that time. In fact, Donald Trump was one of the people who stepped up to the curb in the sanitation workers striking. I think this was in 1980, where Trump took a stand and he basically brought in uh, fleets of his own equipment, which were dump trucks, and began collecting trash off the streets. Now, the secret here is that he was collecting trash off the streets of properties that he owned. And then he had (laughs) barges taking them out to the East River. But in the process of doing this, this is how advanced Trump was. He used this to grandstand and to basically stare down the sanitation workers in New York to the point where he dared them to come to the bargaining table where he said that he would clean the city up. Mm. It was that little push that pushed the the sanitation workers strike to go back to the negotiating tables and to settle. New York was a wreck at this time. If you look up anything, um, even photos and stuff, New York was, New York was a cesspool in the Mm. 1980s. So, you know, that was an early Donald Trump, And that was uh, a kind of shape of things to come. Uh, 
that he was going to stand toe to toe against the established powers. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, man. I didn't know that about Donald Trump in regards to what went on with the sanitation in uh, in the uh, late seventies, early eighties. There, that uh, definitely was kind of a foreshadowing, almost of, of things to come for him, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the guy, the guy has a lot of courage. No, 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 no doubt about it. Which is good. Yeah, it's, it's a good spot, thing, as they call it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so in your opinion, how does how do things play out with him with with everything that's going on? <clears throat> well, like everything else that's going on, how it's going to play out with him is going to. It's up to us. Um, I mm. don't think. My personal opinion is I don't think a second Donald Trump presidency in 2024 is necessarily healthy. Donald Mm. Trump is an extremely divisive character operating on the stage of a very divided world. He and Mr. Biden are polarities. I will put it that way. They're polarities animated through a human form. And subconsciously, unconsciously, they are acting out what we are going through as a race of people, as humans, as as the living beings, man, woman, souls incarnated on this earth at this time. Right. In this particular period. Right. And are very intense energies. So Mm -hmm. how it all pans out will be part of this creative collective consciousness that we share, the greatest impediment to us realizing something substantial right now is the media. Because of electronic media and the way it has been transformed through digital devices, people have constant instant access to news, something that we did not have even 10 years ago mm-hmm. in our pockets, in our person, on our bodies, sometimes literally in our bodies. You, know, you mm-hmm. put a pair of earbuds in and it's right there. It's feeding it to you. Everything right. that we bring into ourselves then becomes part of information that's actionable. Whether we choose to act on it or not is another issue, but Largely, the the media have, and this became very obvious during uh, the pandemic, the level, the barrage of information that we had, none of which was consistent, most of which didn't make sense, all of which smelled of mind control on a level, well, Project Mockingbird, going back to the 50s. This is Mockingbird Mm -hmm. Media 3.0 digital. And so the impediment to humanity determining best probable outcomes has to do with the fact that they are basically, they're driving drunk with information. This is is a narcotic. This is a drug. This is no different than alcohol or drugs or anything else. Information has become the opiate, the new opiate of the people. And Mm. because it leads them to think they are informed and making decisions 
is the most dangerous prospect that we have in terms of moving through this progression with best possible outcomes. Isn't that the truth? Oh, well said. Well said. That is that is that is the truth right there because people they they for the lack of a better term, they they live and die by the media, by what they're being told mm-hmm. on TV, what they're looking at online, and even even a lot of podcast shows too, right? And that, yeah. that leads me to my next question. Uh, here we go. When I think I about <laughs> here we go. Right? I know where this is going. When, go for it. I man. want to know you already know, right? So now we talk about shills, right? We talk about disinformation campaign in, in the conspiracy mm-hmm. world, uh, people that spread chaos and confusion. And like, you know, I've heard things like people like Alex Jones or even Rogan are, are shills that are, you know, um, what's the term? Um, ah, the term's not coming to mind. The term's not coming to mind. Uh, Agents provocateur would be one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I okay. mean, yeah. for lack yeah. of a better word, yeah. Um, so you have what's called alternative media, which has mm-hmm. grown up in the thick of this tech onslaught. Um, I was there. I mean, in 2003, 2004, I started doing RSS feeds, which is the backplane of podcasts, the ability to put media files out in serialized format across networks. Mm. I was also at that time on shortwave radio doing Christian radio, Christian Patriot radio to be more exact. And so I came a lot across a lot of these people such as Alex Jones and um, others who basically occupied a place of great influence. Um, Alex Jones started out on local, local TV in Austin. Um, my friend Freeman Fly talks about this. He was there. Freeman and Alex okay. Jones both, both came out of the same um, matrix, so to speak. Along with that was a man named Bill Cooper. Bill many Cooper. People, yeah, Bill Cooper. Yes, um, yes. Huh. Bill Cooper had warned people about Alex Jones. This is You can go look this up on YouTube. I'm, I'm not making it up. That he kind of understood probably at that point that people like, the, people like Alex Jones were being dropped into this. And I mean, look. The way shortwave radio worked, if you could pay for the airtime, you said what you wanted. It was wide open. It was the Wild West. Mm. And what happened as it migrated across the internet is that um, it got even bigger. And people will use Alex as a model. Joe Rogan less so. I know where Joe Rogan came from. Um, Most people do. But we'll we'll use Alex as an example because he's a big target and he knows it. Uh, Basically, we're in situations where they amassed an audience share that's just, you know, it's eye-watering. And the ability to make money as well. Um, I just read the statistics coming out of Alex's, 
and lawsuit. He just lost what a forty-five million dollar lawsuit to right. so-called Sandy Hook parents. Right. Uh, so-called. Quotes, it's interesting quotes, you phrase that so like quotes. that. <laughs> and it was detailed in the financial disclosure that in 2019, Alex walked away with $110 million from his corporations because he has several corporations. So there's big money being made here as well. And where there's big money, there's control. Yes. Because money is control. Yes. So the thing about Alex is he's put a lot of good information out. He's probably helped some people along the way to wake up. And I will not take that from him. I'm not his enemy. I will say that alternative media has been salted with disinformation agents, paid informants. Um, demonstrably, I'm aware of people who I know were operatives of intelligence agencies mm. that have been seated into this venue. And you will see YouTube platforms that start up and makes no sense. They overnight just explode. Right, right, right. And good on them. But um, it's on us to use discernment in the voices that we listen to. So generally, you know, anything I say about somebody else is going to sound like I'm um, – I'm feeling like this is competition. There is no competition. As far right. as I'm concerned, I don't have competition. Oh, I'm the can. only me there is. Just That's as right. you're the only Justin Williams that there is. Mm. And there's Alex Jones. And there may be some clones out there, by the way. Um, we're not, <laughs> we're, we're not dismissing that. But, um, They're out there for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And. Um, so this is just about being aware that this is a business and it's being increasingly controlled. What we saw during COVID-19, the height of the whole thing, and I felt this personally because I had videos taken down. I had my YouTube channel revoked for 90 days. Um, I had videos deleted. I was kind of forced to go underground. I've almost always been underground anyway. But this was like, right. all of a sudden, there were things I could not say. I uh -huh. could no longer put opinions out there. I could no longer discuss what I know to be information. My information is just documented and factual in regards to this particular adventure, being the pandemic, as theirs is. It's certainly far less conflated and confusing. Because on any given day from the CDC, you got mixed messages constantly. Mask, don't mask. Oh, man. Um, uh, this is good. That's bad. You can't take this. That's horse pace. This is, this is wait a minute for it. Uh, we'll have vaccines in a few months. Um, wait for that. Chaos and confusion. Chaos and confusion. <laughs> this All was day. basically building. They were building a market for a vaccine from day one. Mm. Mm -hmm. Knowing full well mm -hmm. that those vaccines were already in place, we can yes. go look at the patents. We know that. We know that Moderna right. um, already had the basic patents for this. There was a company I couldn't remember earlier. Um, and and that, that alone should piss people off, Randy. Like, yeah. people, I don't, I don't get it. 
Like, you know, people just, with the information's there. People haven't even been told of things that you just mentioned, but they still are just in this doo-doo-doo wonderland. Like, wake up. <laughs> Most people have no idea. Most people have no idea the research behind mRNA vaccines in order to get us to where we were. They did not do this in 10 months. Um, oh, hell no. My personal opinion, and this is all this is, is that in this respect, Donald Trump was duped into launching this military operation. Um, what was it? Warp speed? Yeah, yes. Warp speed. Yes. So there was this big announcement on the White House lawn, White House portico, with all this military brass there and, and health officials. It's not Fauci, I don't think. But lots of military were there when they announced warp speed. And it was placed as a military operation. Go back to March 13th of 2020 and look at the announcements that were being made that day as the states were closing down. And Trump was declaring a national emergency. And in that segment of tape video... It's stated explicitly, this is a live military operation. So from day one, this was a military operation of some sort by some faction within the government. This, is, this gets blurry. It's not, I've not been able to, to completely sort all this out, but I suspect that this was part of the war that was going on in the background that then surfaced to move everything into another level that this plan to me looks like it was cobbled together out of a number of plans that were being run alongside of um, these staged exercises by the Gates foundation um, and the Rockefeller foundation with its lockstep documents. So mm -hmm. the pretexts were all there and if you go back and you watch the opening of the winter, the Olympics, the 2012 Olympics in London, that opening sequence there is a foreshadowing of the pandemic. With the hospital beds. The hospital beds. Is that? The whole yes, thing. I yeah. remember that. Even Damn, the whole yes, National yes, Institute yes. of Health, its connection with Peter Pan. Um, I have a very deep connection to Peter Pan in terms of how that's used in programming. Um, so, again, we have to understand that we're dealing with a, a very, very dense information package in terms of how all this is put together. And this one was put together very quickly, I think. I think they realized what was happening. See, the elites are occultists, as mm -hmm. that's not a derogatory term. They're very aware of the energies that are coming in. They've been very aware of the energies coming in. Mm -hmm. They've also been aware that they've had to preempt preemptively act at times to circumvent the consequences of these energies. And that, again, mm -hmm. is what's going on Earthside right now. This is right, a war okay. between darkness and light in the sense mm -hmm. that... <clears throat> In a non-dual system, darkness doesn't exist. Um, 
because we're in a dual system and because we are the stage for something that actually is galactic level. Anyway, Earth is a portal. Earth is a is a it's a it's a waypoint in in the galaxy. And so what happens mm. here affects galaxies, maybe even universes, including what happened wow. with the life, birth, and with the birth, life, and death of a man we call today Jesus Christ. That was a galactic event. Go, hey, let, let's go there for a, for a hot second. Okay, <clears throat> go, go a little bit deeper with me. Help me better understand that. If Jesus Christ is who he claims he was, which I believe he is, okay. um, that means he was not just savior of humankind upon planet Earth, but he was a galactic level savior in that, in that sense. Gotcha. What happened here with the nativity, what happened here with all of the things that he spoke, which we only know a little of, and mm -hmm. the deeds that he performed, including rising from the dead, his transfigurations, his miracles, his multiplication of elements, these were all types of the unfoldment of new consciousness, not just for Earth, but for an entire galaxy. And if you think so about it, consciousness, could, yeah, his consciousness or he's this energy and, and, and what he did and said and how he died here affected because he was so, I don't even want to say great, but, or maybe so important, but, but everything he did and said here and how he, he, he transitioned here affected not only humanity yeah. in, in this world, but as you said, that energy is so great it goes on into other galaxies yeah. or, or dimensions, and he has a he his footprint is is there as well, huh? Exactly. Yes. Yes. And that's based on who he said he was, as the son of God. Um. Oh, okay. And God is everything. God is everything. Not just he's here. the creator. He is our. So that's going to be exactly. It's it's galactic. Wow, Randy. It's galactic level wow. at least. So Goodness. the implications of that yes, are at least this tiny little so-called blue ball. There's another bag of wax then pack as well. What we understand about our physical earth, but um, what goes on on earth doesn't stay on earth. It doesn't leave minus space shuttles or flights to the moon or satellites either. Um, again, we don't really understand the construct we live in, or that we're surrounded around, but it's, let me just say this, because this was a concept that I spent years driving home, and now it's seeded into the universe. We are the universe. The universe is inside us. We are mm -hmm. the fractal presence of everything that is and the creator of that. We are children of the living mm -hmm. God. And by virtue of being children of the living God, we contain within us everything uh, manifest and potential from a creative standpoint. Mm -hmm. That's how incredible mm -hmm. living souls manifested on this world are. This is a training ground for gods. And in, in my book, I call them 
Um, well, my guys actually gave me this information, the receivers, that these are what we where we're at right now is the most difficult, dense manifestation, or we'll say incarnation of beings in this particular sector of the universe, the galaxy. Because, I mean, who even has time to think about how big this is? This is a lab, this is a <laughs> testing ground for what we are to become, which is what they call autonomous gods. In other words, beings who self-generate realities based nothing more than their vision, their creative impulse, and the most important thing of all, their intent, which operates out of an energy of high, pure love. Not yes. love like man knows love. Right. Yes, sir. That's, that's oh, spot on. This is so heavily resonating with me. And I know you said you, you purchased my book. And in that book, I had a, a three-day ayahuasca experience, right, for three days. And that is exactly what was told to me during that experience is that this is a training ground. Okay, for something more, something greater. So that that what you said is is really, really like hitting home to me in a big way. And then circling back to the to what you said about Jesus, right? In regards to him being the son of God and what happened here the has a footprint in, in other universes, galaxies, etc. Now you also said that the universe lives within us and we are God's we all are God's children. Okay, so essentially, we we all are the sons and daughters of God, and in the scripture, Jesus spoke that we will do all things that He did and even more. So, exactly. during this training ground while we're here, is it safe for me to say to go there to say just as Jesus did here, we do here, and then our energy can transform in other other areas galaxies, dimensions, et cetera, as well, that we're able to leave our footprint as well. And, and that's not, I don't want to go as far as saying just, okay, we're, we're a comparison to, to Jesus or Christ, but I, I do believe that, that we are one with the father. Like, you know, I, I say all the time during my prayer and meditation that I am one with the father, the father lives within, you know, and I, I've gone on even to say that those that are one with the father and, and have this, this certain knowledge. And, and as they say, Jesus sits at the, the, the right hand of the throne of God, maybe a part of our energy does as well. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Does it, if, if that even makes sense? No, oh, no, no, no. All of that, all of that. And, and it's up to each person to riff through all of this for themselves and find what works for them. I'm not married to the concept of Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, I accepted him as my Lord, I'm saved. See, the religious cloakage in that language will put some people off. Having said that, yeah, I'm with Christ, you. as you said, Christ consciousness, the outward manifestation of the inner power is something that I think is what we're coming to understanding in this realm. Uh, more and more people are getting it. Some of them are not sure what they're getting right now. They're not sure where they're at. This 
this ball of confusion. Ooh, it's a good good temptation song. Ball of confusion that we're in right now is <laughs> it's basically mixing all of this up. And a lot of people who are in states of bewilderment, people who are, you know, ill, even mentally ill, um, people who are going through any type of mental trauma or physical trauma, these are all ways that we process experience. Um, We can call them negative. We can call them dark and light. If you modulate the frequencies down to what is the most important aspect of your own inner knowing and just nurture that, you will arrive, and I mean by you, you know, each of you who hear this, you will arrive at what becomes your paradigm to grapple with these energies and to grapple with this this period of time. I'm not here to save anyone, to preach a gospel. I did that for a long time. Um, it's hollow, it's empty. The best gospel that you can preach to people is the gospel of love by example in how you interact with your fellow man and woman. And Mm. um, so we all have to find our own paradigms. There's no one prescription for all of this. So that's the truth. The way we work through this is just simply to find what works for each one of us. It's kind of a universal message. And then we go to the specific by working through, and this requires all of that prayer, meditation, introspection, sometimes very violent change, uh, maybe a crucifixion experience on the cross of big medical. I don't know, but each one of us is going through it right Hmm. now. That we are. And so well said. It's such a unique individualized experience. It really is. There's no I truly believe there's no one size that that fits all. You know, we we all hopefully or if not, we all I know it's a good portion of us that are are headed to the same destination, just just taking mm-hmm. different roads, different journeys. Right. Yep. And, and that's the beautiful thing of it all. Absolutely. Now. Along this journey, and especially I would think for those that are new to this awakening, if you will, um, concern that I have is people being misled. Just like when you talked about alternative media and you talked about how it's salted in these uh, these implants, etc. Then if we switch over to talk about the energies, right? And even going back when we talked about the energy in the 60s and the, the light, the dark energies, et cetera. And having, I guess it comes down to having discernment, but mm-hmm. no doubt that a lot of these dark energies have infiltrated or hijacked people's, I don't know if I want to say consciousness, to have them believing that they are on the right path when in reality they are being misguided, misled. Right. I think a lot of that is going on. And I think a lot of it is possibly going on in in the spirituality, the spiritual community. Right. Because there's just been this big uptick of people now that are saging and, and doing this crystal work and all these other things. And they think that they're following the right path, but. They they, they may they just possibly may. Uh, what you're talking about is, is being misled. Th- what Second Thessalonians calls a strong delusion. You know, basically, 
Mm. Um, lying spirits. Those have always been here. Uh, if you've encountered spirits, you've encountered lying spirits along with the spirits of light because mm -hmm. that is allowed in our dual system of reality. So, yeah, there are people who are being influenced by what we would call demons, archons. Um, mm -hmm. That is all part and parcel of the package. And if, you know, to be honest with you, anybody that's on a spiritual path is going to face deception. I've faced it. I faced it, yeah, you know, yeah, sometimes, even in doing these yeah. shows over the years. I've had to back up and admit, you know, that some of what I heard or what I broadcast or even what I may have believed myself at certain points was the product of deception, of trying to pull us into mm. a wrong spiritual path. Mm. <clears throat> this is where, you know, if you're Christian, if you're part of... If you're part of one of the three monotheistic religions, you have what's called the Holy Spirit, the guide, the still small voice. You have inner knowing. You have intuition. You have the ability to correct, connect directly to the Godhead through prayer. Mm -hmm. There is no error. There is no bad path once you encounter the divine. The divine is self-corrective mechanism, and it does not see evil and darkness. It simply guides us in the direction of the light. It, you know, it says mm -hmm. the darkness, the darkness and the light don't recognize each other. So, you can get oh. wrong information, wrong influences. You can be taken down a path of, frankly, self-destruction. I've been there. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, thankfully we have something that intercedes with us and for us in, in that spirit. So, um, these are times when you really need to shut down the media and shut down, not, not us. Don't turn us off right now, but. I told my listeners no, over don't, the don't years, turn, don't turn just, off Randy. <laughs> just, just shut the damn thing off once in a while. The TV, the radio, the podcast, the computer. And um, so there's a time and a place for that. This is, this is about us getting our frequencies lined up with who we are. And when we line that up, That's it right. lines right up with universe, with creator. Very well, very well said, my friend. Just, just I have just a couple more questions for you here, Randy. This sure. has been a phenomenal chat. I've, I've been truly, truly enjoying you, man. You are a wealth of information. Thank you so much once again for coming on the Hidden Gateway Podcast. Now, you just mentioned uh, that people is to be a good idea to shut things down a bit, right, from time to time. And uh, just because there's so much information out there, so much disinformation out there, many psyops as well. Right. Absolutely. Um, social engineering, all that yeah. stuff at play. I, what do you think about Q? Do you think Q is, is, is a psyop? It was, this is one question I wanted to ask you. What are your thoughts regarding Q? 
Again, just my opinion. I think the Q operated in a capacity that would disseminate certain types of information. I think if you go back and you look at the dispatches early and look at what came out later, the voices changed. Um, Q was either replaced or co-opted. And the information became um, propaganda, largely for the people who are attached to the what's called ultra right wing, uh, as the MAGA groups. The if a lot of this, I think, was building towards what happened on January sixth, twenty twenty. All right. Um, I think it started out. Legitimate is largely being a group of white hats, much like um, we've had different white hat groups over the years okay. that have come out. They don't stay long on the scene. And so I, I had a lot of arguments, well, not arguments, but back and forth with people who were taking this as gospel, who spent a lot of time trying to parse out riddles and I think whatever you took away from Q early on later was compromised by not only the information that Q was putting out or Q themselves, because it was a collective that wasn't one person, um, but the people who were the echo chamber for it, which was far worse. Mm. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right, my friend. Thank you for sharing that. And my final question for you, Randy, uh, I ask each and every guest to uh, leave our listeners with what I like to call a token of love, something that they can take with them as they progress on their journey, Uh, something from the heart, if you will, whether that be uh, just a minute, two, three, four, five minutes, whatever you would like the Hidden Gateway podcast listeners to know uh, that will be beneficial to them as they stand strong during this uh, time of spiritual warfare in this moment. It really goes back to what I've been saying since the beginning of this podcast, this show, which is radio, TV, whatever medium it is. When I opened the doors in 2010, the motto then was the truth is out there. It's inside you. Um, the information that is in front of your eyes. This is disclosure. Everything that we're experiencing right now is designed for us to move the frequencies forward. So I always go back to my master's words when he says the kingdom of God is within you. And if that kingdom of God is within me, my job is simply to bring forward that which is the light and the works of the kingdom of heaven, of God. And I try to impart that. I understand that there's a lot of dark information out there. We almost can't avoid it. Understand that these are the circumstances of the present reality stream that we live in. Everything in universe, everything in nature is cooperating to move this forward. We are on what you would call a positive timeline. I don't call them that. But based on the works 
that I've been putting out over the last two and a half years. Based on the information that I've received, what I glean in my private time with um, with my father, um, despite what it looks like right now, we have the ability to move this forward. We have the ability to move it forward in a profound and astonishingly fast fashion. Um, the help is out there. The energies are here mm. to boost us. So we have to take counsel, not of what we see with our natural eyes, but the eyes of the spirit. And that's what we should be looking with and listening with. And if we do this, and we collectively come together with this frequency, this divine frequency of love, we can push this thing forward and we can end the darkness that earth has lived under for hundreds of thousands of years now. Powerful, man. Can I get an Powerful. amen? You came with the sword of that. <laughs> yeah. Amen, amen. Yeah, amen. The there congregation you, there you says amen. All right. Man, you are a soldier. That was so, 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 so phenomenal, man. Thank cool. you. Not only what you just said at the end there, but what you provided throughout the entire show. Um, this, this right here, this conversation was definitely, I, I knew that I was going to wholeheartedly enjoy it just genuinely enjoy it, but it without doubt. And, 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 you know, it exceeded my expectations and that's just the father at play. You know, there's that energy between you and I, that, yep. that yep. good light energy. Yep. And uh, man, you, you, you are a blessing to humanity. I want to thank you for your good works. You. I want to thank you for standing in your truth and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing the father's work, Randy. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much, my friend. Um, can you just please, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you could please just take a take a minute or two to tell the Hidden Gateway podcast uh, where they can find you, your social media. I know you have a Patreon and, and tell them about your book. I know you touched on it a bit. I know that'd be out soon, etc. Yeah. Um, touch points are if all else fails off planet dot com, which is a relaunched website still in, under under construction. Um, Patreon is Patreon dot com forward slash Randy Moggins. Um, the basic there is $5 a month to get exclusive content, insider stuff. It's, um, um, I'm not trying to put a paywall around information, but I believe people that support me are entitled to something special. So which we, we give them the extra jolt, the extra segments. And, um, then, uh, on YouTube, you can just search off planet radio. And it will come up in the search engine. There's 10 years worth of videos there, which is a fair bulk of material. So um, all of that, offplanetradio.com. If you go there, you can get the links for everything else. There it is. Thank you so much, sir. Again, wholeheartedly, genuinely enjoyed this chat with you today and to our audience. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hidden Gateway podcast. Please remember to stay connected with us at thehiddengateway.com. As many of you do, if you have any questions, feedback, etc., reach out via email, support at thehiddengateway.com. And as always, thank you so much for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. And our YouTube is back up, good people. We're out of YouTube jail. We've been, we've been we've been blackballed for about uh mm. for about three three months but we're back as of august what 17th 18th so if you haven't subscribed go ahead and subscribe and that will conclude this week's episode until next time stay positive stay questioning be love and be free the hidden gateway out